Ohio Police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello and welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. My Reasonable Voice guest today is Leslie Coburn. Welcome to today's show, Leslie Coburn. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well. Leslie Coburn is a graduate of Yale University with a distinguished career in journalism that spanned 35 years, a producer for CBS News 60 Minutes, a correspondent for PBS Frontline, a Ferris Professor of Journalism at Princeton, a writer and an author. Leslie has won two Emmys, two George Polk Awards, two Columbia DuPont Journalism Awards, and the Robert F. Kennedy Award. She has covered the major issues of our time, from the financial meltdown to nuclear weapons, from radical jihad to the drug cartels. She covered the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, Colombia, Cambodia, and Central America. And my guest, Leslie Coburn, is now running for Congress in the 5th District of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So, Leslie, let's start with income disparity. What are your views on that? Well, I think we're, we've reached a point now where income disparity is, um, is really beyond the pale. We have a situation where, in this country, 20 people own as much as the lower 50% of the population mm. in terms of income. And I think that uh, in terms of the district, you know, you have, we have people not only working three jobs, I'm now running into people working four jobs wow. just to make ends meet. So we have a, we have a, first of all, we have a minimum wage issue. Mm-hmm. Minimum wage in Virginia is $7.25, which is a dollar fifty less than West Virginia. Wow. For starters. And it's a good deal less than Walmart's now paying. So why don't we raise the minimum wage? How, how can you, you know, this is a country where people are expected to participate, to buy things, to, to keep the engine of the economy running. If you're in that situation, you can't do that. So I think this is something that has to be addressed. It's something that the Republicans refuse to address. Yes. How are we affected? How are families affected not only by income disparity you know we often think uh, or many men think that uh, getting a, a equal pay for work for women is not their issue but as soon as one is a wife and a mother <laughs> clearly it's a man's issue too what do you think about that what's that angle up there well i think that it's been that way for a long time mm. that you have so many families where a mother and father of you know, they've got children, they have to deal with health care, but both of them, and child care, but both of them have to work. Yes. So the idea of giving a woman only 80% of what her male colleagues are being paid, first of all, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. It's been illegal since the Kennedy administration, and the, the key is to enforce it. And you can enforce it with transparency of how much people are being paid. And this is something that not only affects women in the workplace, and of course, you know how much they're able to 
pay for what all of those important costs at home. Mm-hmm. But it affects older women. If yes. you're getting Social Security and you've been paid that much less, once again, you're getting that much less when you're, um, you know, quite old. Of and course. It's, um, it's, that's a big problem. Yes, you know, I, I must admit I hadn't thought about that. But if you're paying less into Social Security because you make less, then you get less from Social Security when you need it most. That's right. Wow. That can be pretty devastating to our senior citizens. And and Medicaid. Explain to us the difference between Medicaid and Medicare. I know Medicaid has had difficult challenges, uh, particularly in the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, even though uh, Governor McAuliffe tried to uh, fix that. What what are your thoughts about Medicaid and the new uh, situation in Virginia in particular? I know you're not running for the General Assembly, but Richmond gets involved in this as well. Right. This is very important because, you know, we've been hearing the debate over should we expand Medicaid in Virginia. Mm-hmm. If you expand Medicaid, not only does it serve 400,000 more people, but think about this. There's been a great study by Stanford professors who say that it would increase jobs in Virginia by 57,000. Wow. And they calculate that by looking at other states where they've done Medicaid expansion. You know, Medicaid is a very important part of health care in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Because not only does it serve people who are really earning very little, but it serves all those kids in school with special needs, and it serves all those people who are facing the expenses of long-term care in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. I spent the other day with a, uh, a woman who's an attorney who, who devotes her life to the needs of older patients in nursing care. Mm. And what she found is that people, exhaust, they may have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that money gets used up for long-term care, and then you have to do the two-inch thick Medicaid application. And even then you have to, if you're, for example, if you've given your child your house or your farm, so they've inherited this property, if Mm -hmm. that happens five years before, within five years before you are trying to apply for Medicaid, Mm -hmm. you have to get it back and sell it. So we have... uh, These are people who desperately need Medicaid, and in many facilities, there are only a few beds for those people. So what are we going to have? People, older people on the street? It certainly sounds like Republicans have not thought this through. I, I, I try very hard to see both sides of the aisle and their points of view, but I, it's difficult when it seems to me that uh, there is a unempathetic concern about constituents, about Americans, that uh, citizens who are voting for them, the bookends of our society, the children in the school you've mentioned, and of course the senior citizens we're talking about, seem to be the hardest hit. I mean, what do you think about uh, uh, what's going on with the uh, uh, CHIP? I think that the CHIP program, which of course serves, you know, 11 million children with, yes. health, with uh, health insurance, it's being used. It's a, It's these children are being held hostage, as are the um, the dreamers. Yes. We have 800,000 dreamers who are, are virtually American children who, who Mr. Trump would like to send to foreign countries where they've never lived or yes. haven't lived since yeah. they were two years old. So you have chip children, you have DACA children, and not just DACA children, mm-hmm. some of those dreamers. We have 900 dreamers who are very important uh, members of our military. Yes. Are yes. we going to deport them? So I, I think that holding these populations hostage is wrong. In terms of health care needs, we need to really revamp health care. We need to head in the direction of Medicare for all. Mm. It's fair, it's universal, and it's cheaper. Yes. And every other country knows how to do it except the United States. Why do you think that is? Why, why do we... Why do we turn our backs on on pretty much is our definition, our heritage of immigrants? I mean, how can you suddenly ignore that? I mean, it's like you make social services some kind of bad thing. If the government is only for collecting taxes and making war, I think we miss the point, don't we? Of course we miss the point. Um, we're supposed to, you know, there's a, there's a social compact in this country, and, and the social compact is this. 
if you work hard, mm. you will be able to have a roof over your head. You'll be able to um, send your children to school and hopefully to college. And there are a lot of things that people expect if they work hard. And because we've had wage stagnation since the 1970s, mm-hmm. and all of this is falling apart. And I think that uh, we have to restore this. This is the very fundamental point of our democracy, is that everybody can get ahead. And, and if you continue with what's going on right now, that's impossible. Yes. I mean, look, right now we had, the, the Republicans have just added $1.5 trillion to the deficit. Yes. Through a tax cut for corporations and extremely wealthy people. This is wrong. It causes automatic cuts. It causes automatic cuts in the essential farm programs, mm. in the Black Lung Trust Fund, yes. in Medicare, not Medicaid, mm-hmm. Medicare yes. is going to be cut. So I really think that um, there's, there is a, a really a cruelty here that mm-hmm. has to be reversed. So how do we reverse it? How do you go off to Congress and what can you do as an individual and, and, and the gathering of allies in Congress to reverse this trend? Even the ERA, Equal Rights Amendment, which was passed in the 70s and signed by President Carter, is, is still something that cannot seem to get ratified. And so uh, what, what is the answer? What can you do? and I believe it will be, an absolute tidal wave year for Democrats getting into Congress and women getting into Congress. Yes. I went to uh, a meeting of candidates in Washington recently, and there was a big room full of women who are all overqualified. They're smart. A lot of people who were in the armed forces, uh, people who are um, executives, uh, tech executives, union people. These are people who are extremely competent, and they yes. will address these women's issues, you know, first of all, all these issues, there, there's always a good group of people on the Hill mm. who are trying to push this forward, and what they need are numbers. Yes. They need more people in the same way that we just saw with the election in the House of Delegates. Yes. Now we have 11 Democratic women in there. Yes. That will change the complexion of the House of De- Delegates, and it will change legislation. Things like, okay, first, you know, getting into Congress. So you support the group who are, who are supporting women's issues. You support the people who are... There are excellent bills already in place which are, would push us toward Medicare for all. Mm. Those bills, uh, for, for example, there's one bill that includes... It, it heads to Medicare for all so that we would be able to negotiate drug prices. Yes. We would take away that huge, ridiculous overhead of all these insurance companies. Yes. Medicare, overhanded for Medicare is 2%. The insurance companies, it's 18%. Mm -hmm. So which would you rather have? Exactly. So these things, the bills are in place. You need more people to support them. And there's a transition period uh, in one bill for four years, which allows for there to be a medical option. So in the Affordable Care Act exchange, you would have an option, and of course it would be cheaper because the overhead is less. So these things are, are ready for more members of Congress to support, and then there are other things that you have to reverse. Like recently, they're trying to pick apart Dodd-Frank. Yes. They're, they're trying to pick apart the protections that are, are, were put in place because we had this terrible recession. Yes. And so many people were deeply hurt by this. And what they're trying to say is now that banks will be able to take your deposit, and that night they can put it in the casino and gamble with it. Mm. And if if the bank loses, then the taxpayers will pick up that bill. Wow. That has to be changed. They're pulling apart right now consumer protection. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, you know, there, there's a tremendous amount of fraud. With student loans. Yes. You have for profit educational institutions that are milking students, mm-hmm. are not offering them good education, and are absolute fraudsters. So, but the Republicans, this administration, are 
trying to get rid of consumer protection rather than increasing consumer protection. So we need to put that back in place. There's so much repair work that needs to be done, and that would be the first order of business when going to Congress. Okay. I wonder... Uh, I mean, there's so much more to talk about. We want to talk m- more about what uh, Trump is saying about the coal industry and what's actually happening with the farmers, particularly small farmers in Virginia and the 5th District. But I I do want to just, I want to throw this out and we'll pick up uh, on it on the other side. Taxpayers are not just paying for uh, bankers' use of our money, but taxpayers are paying, I believe, you tell me your thoughts on the other side, for sexual harassment settlements. I think people would be really shocked if you just stop and think a minute, well, who pays when a, uh, a member of the government behaves improperly and is called on it and then has to settle financially? I don't think they're going in their pockets, but I'll be corrected if Leslie thinks I'm wrong. On the other side, please stay with us. We are talking to congressional candidate for the 5th District of Virginia, Leslie Colburn. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Taking care of an Alzheimer's patient is a pretty much a full-time job. 50% of caregivers die uh, while they are caring for awareness someone. about Alzheimer's and research. Just because someone's mind is being diminished does not mean that uh, the ordinary physical things don't happen. They can uh, have a sore throat and not be able to tell you. And they can have something in their eye and not be able to explain it. So you have to be aware that in every respect, life is still going on for them physically, even though you are focused on the, uh, the mental dementia, the, the person is still living a life physically and emotionally. For all those who see this video, I hope you will learn more than I ever did before you ever have to know it. That's my message. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 1-800-272-3900. Thank you. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today, Leslie Coburn, who is running for Congress in the 5th District of the Commonwealth of Virginia, having put 27,000 miles on her car traveling throughout the 5th District to learn about the issues that are most important to her voters. We do a lot of things, uh, uh, we liberals. We throw out uh, statements like the most recent tax bill is uh, helps corporations and the wealthy far more than it does uh, the rest of us, at least the 98% of us, even those who vote for people who vote for that kind of tax bill. I wonder if you could tell us, Leslie, how do we support our position that that's the truth? Well, I think that there's a, a lot of documentation on this, on the tax bill that's come out of uh, Congress. I mean, look at the, the Congressional Budget Office. Yes. You know, there is no question that this bill is adding $1.5 trillion dollars to the deficit of this country. Yes. This country's debt will grow thanks to this bill. This bill unquestionably gives tax breaks to American corporations, many of whom don't need those breaks. Uh, It also gives excellent tax breaks to very wealthy individuals. Many of them have said they don't want those tax breaks. Mm -hmm. So I think that there was a, there was a, it was sweetened for everyone with uh, the government saying, oh, it's a tax cut for everyone. But in fact, some of the population will get a small cut. Mm. Some will not get a cut because look what's happening to, uh, you know, the the, um, deductions for state and local taxes, for uh, real estate, you know, all of that will go up. Therefore, it's like someone putting a dollar into one pocket and taking two out of your other pocket. Mm. It's like a magic trick. Yes. And, um, And the other thing we know for certain is that anyone who gets, any individual who gets a cut from this, it's temporary. Whereas it's clear by law that the cuts for corporations are permanent. That's the way the law is written. Temporary versus permanent. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Exactly. Yes. And And the other thing that's important to realize is that what this does, when you add that much to the debt, to the deficit, 
you push, you force. There's, again, by law, you force the government to cut certain essential programs. Mm -hmm. And I think people would be surprised and horrified to realize that part of those cuts will come from Medicare. Mm. Right now, the estimate is that, you know, the, the one that's thrown around is $25 billion will be cut from Medicare in 2018. It's actually $28 billion for mm. this year. And that same amount will be cut from Medicare for, for nine years in the future. So, okay, what do those cuts mean? That means that a rural hospital or mm. a doctor will be paid less. And wow. it will come to the point where a doctor may say, you know, I don't think I'm going to take Medicare. I'm not going to take that Medicare patient. Mm. So right now, a system that is working very well could be, it's like pulling out a pin from yes. under this. Yes. You know, you're, you're taking away part of the support system of Medicare, which everyone relies on. And um, that's pretty important in this country. Yes, yes. We, you know, I think if, if a government and a people do not take care of the people, I, I just don't uh, see that we, how do we exist? How do we survive? How do we define ourselves if that becomes what we are about? I know I, I mentioned at the end of the last segment the issue of sexual harassment. We know that their settlements have been made for uh, political figures who currently serve in the Congress and other branches of the government, uh, perhaps even, dare I say, the White House. Wake us up, throw some cold water in our face about who is really paying for sexual harassment, besides, of course, the victims themselves, the targets, but whose pocket is being picked to pay for the pleasures of improper behavior? money going to this, mm. but I, I, would, I, would like to, I would like to address, with sexual harassment in the government, I want to address one really important area which I've been watching for some time, and that is sexual harassment in the military. Yes. Sexual harassment in the military is an epidemic proportion. Mm. One in four women who go into the military are sexually assaulted. Yes. Um, we have some... some some excellent members of Congress who are on top of this issue. Again, they need more support. We have, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible problem. I mean, imagine you're a woman going into the military. You're going into the military because you want to serve the country or because you come from a military family. Or the idea that these women who choose to serve should then get into a position where mm. they are assaulted and the people who are making making a judgment about that incident are, in fact, in their chain of command and may themselves be the person responsible for the assault. Yes. That's happening a lot. Yes. And there's an excellent group for anyone who's interested in this called Protect Our Defenders, mm. who is looking at this problem. And you will be shocked because there are, there are many cases of people who are supposed to be uh, policing these assaults in the military who themselves are guilty of assault. Yes. Yes. This has to stop. Yes. And it's something that Congress can address. And I think when more people realize what's going on, they will want it stopped as much as I do. Yes, I agree. But certainly as more and more women enter the military, they have uh, the same risks and challenges as civilian women, but they don't have the, the express train on a remedy. It, it, it's it's a, it's a shame. It's what it is. It's it's something we must address. I'm wondering the ban that Trump uh, has attempted against uh, transgenders in the military. A uh, federal judge has stepped in on that. But what are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, I think it's absolutely outrageous to ban uh, transgender personnel. Look at look at we have. Uh, uh, Look at the excitement in Virginia over um, Danica Rose. Yes. Winning a seat yes. in the House of Delegates. This is obviously a very former journalist, a very confident person, someone who's been voted in to do something about key local issues. Are you saying, you know, here we look at that person. Are you saying you can't have a similar, totally qualified person in the military? It doesn't make sense. Yes, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, there's so many things coming out of Washington these days that are, are to, to put it nicely, uh, puzzling to me. But 
what do we say to the Virginia family in coal mining or coal mining anywhere in the country when they hear a president say we're going to bring back the coal mining industry? That's what their family for generations have done. What do we do? What do we say to them? What, what do you think? Well, there, there are two things that I, I think, you know, off, off the bat. One is that it isn't, uh, you know, the reason why coal mining, is, the reason why miners are losing these jobs is the industry itself. Yes. The industry is changing, and the industry is getting rid of workers. Yes. And, and by the way, the Republican Party has, you know, time and again recently, um, they have voted against benefits yes. for minors, yes. and that's very upsetting to minors. And likewise, this tax bill, the recent tax bill, part of the automatic cut, because they're adding so much money to the debt, mm. part of the automatic cuts is the Black Lung, lung Trust Fund. Part yes. of that money will not be paid. If you're really going to be in favor of coal miners, you need to think about their benefits. Yes. You need to think about helping and protecting people who are not only minors, but who are who are retired minors. Yes. And this is just, again, there is a, a level of cruelty here where mm. they're just left to twist in the wind. And in terms of jobs, you know, in our district, renewable energy jobs are absolutely the way to go. Yes. Southside has been identified as one of the best places in the region for solar power. And there are... Um, new solar power projects going on in almost every county. Most mm. of them are not connected with each other. A lot of them don't know about each other. If you look nationally, the solar industry has added six times, created six times more jobs mm. than any other job creation in the country. Yes. There's 50,000 new jobs. So let's bring some of those to Virginia. Absolutely. We've got the right conditions. We've got uh, in Charlottesville, right in our own district, we have wonderful solar companies who really want to expand let uh, you know this involves state law as well you want to make sure that uh, a person who puts up solar panels gets as much advantage out of this as possible for their investment mm -hmm. but all those people who solar panel repair uh, solar panel manufacture all those things are um, are very exciting possibilities for jobs yes and we've we've got some excellent institutes around the district, which are now retraining people and training people for the first time in very high, highly skilled jobs. Yes. And those, those training programs need to be, again, supported. Yes. You know, there's, one, there's one in Alta Vista in Campbell County that's absolutely sensational. Everyone who comes out of there gets a job wow. in infrastructure. Everybody. Wow. Because the average age of someone doing infrastructure in this country is 57 years old. Mm. Mm. So who are the welders? Who are the plumbers? Who are the pipe fitters? Who are all these absolutely essential people yes. who will get excellent pay? What do we do with a program like Alta Vista? Expand it. Mm. Support it. Yes. And, and so when you're talking about minors, you really need to not only... Make sure that minors are getting the benefits they deserve, but make sure that the other job up as the mining industry diminishes. Let's yes. make sure that other energy jobs are available. Exactly. A lot of the uh, the the 57-year-olds that you mentioned with such skills have the, a basis, a foundation, I believe, to be trained to apply those very same kinds of skills to a new industry, a, a new century of development. Uh, and so I'm, I'm so happy to hear someone running for Congress say we must help not only with health issues, which are essential, we must help them uh, transist to, you know, to, the, to a new place that is, uh, can be every bit as rewarding as what they have been doing. I guess, I hope I'm not overstating it, but uh, I'm so happy you brought that up. What about farmers? There are a lot of farmers and farmland in rural areas. How is the farm bill, and for that matter, internet, affecting uh, people in Virginia who, are, who live in rural areas, whether they're farming or not? Well, in our district, you have 21 rural counties, mm -hmm. including mine, which is Grappahannock, where we have a lot more cows than people. <laughs> yes. Uh, so 
So farming issues are paramount for me. I think that, uh, I mean, I'm very interested in land use tax and preserving it. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in conservation and easement issues, which allows people to get tax breaks if they want to keep their family farm. And I think that, you know, I've spent time talking to, for example, the poultry farmers, the um, cattlemen, and also the forestry people, because that's another huge part of part of agriculture in our in our district yes part of rural the rural economy and um, each one of these you know, for the poultry people and the cattlemen one of their top issues interestingly enough and makes sense when you think about it is immigration mm. mm-hmm. they want immigration reform so you have a group of people who are involved in some of the most important industries in our district mm-hmm who want to see that go forward. And I think that's a very exciting possibility yes. in terms of uh, a coalition of people. Yes. You know, the, the uh, forestry people say, well, look, who's planting the trees? Mm. We offer those jobs to people of our district, and the people who step up and who are doing it are immigrants. Yes, yes. And, and this is all we need to really realize how important that is for our agricultural economy. Yes. And um, the other thing is, farmers are not being, this administration, and indeed our congressman, mm. who is tied at the hip to Trump, Yes, they are not taking farmers' concerns in, into account. Mm. I mean, you know, again, the automatic cut with the tax bill includes several farm programs. Yes. And Trump also, you know, when he started thinking about what to, how, how to slash and burn the federal government in the first place, mm-hmm. said, well, you know, he had no problem identifying uh, huge amounts of, uh, of, of money to be taken out of the farm bill for farmers' loans. Mm. You know, it's really, it's so short-sighted. We need a farming economy. It is so important to our district. Yes. And to say that, that we can make it more difficult for farmers to get loans or make it impossible for them, people need loans. Mm, people mm-hmm. need crop guarantees. People need, you know, and and our district, because you have, you've got a lot of cattle, you have um, a lot of uh, conservation issues that, that our farmers rely on. Mm-hmm. Like if you need to get a subsidy for a riparian border, if you, there's things that, that we need to support. And, and the way to do that is to, just follow the priorities of what the farmers want. And, you know, I would love to serve on the Agriculture Committee because I think that that is is something where we can make some really important changes with both immigration and with supports for our farmers. Yes. And I wonder if the, uh, certainly the current uh, administration is, is looking as fairly, as objectively, to factory farms and the way animals are treated, uh, uh, pumped full of chemicals and slaughtered uh, mercilessly. And, and by mercilessly, I mean uh, killing animals to, to feed people. I get that. I don't have a problem. I'm not a vegetarian necessarily. But how we keep those animals while they're being prepared for slaughter and how we go about slaughtering them. Do you have any uh, thoughts about that? Yes. You know, in my in my county of Rutherhada, there the the bigger farms are all the farmers are very uh, forward thinking. Good. We have uh, there's a whole association of, of grass fed beef people where we have um, you know a very um, uh, progressive pig farmers. These are people who realize that they can get really good prices. Yes. For beef that is, you know, that is not uh, pumped full of uh, grain, yes. and, and they are getting good prices. Yes. So, um, so let's support that. Let's support all of those people and what they need, because they're making money out of this. Yes. They wouldn't be doing this if they weren't. So um, we can satisfy a lot of people at the same time. Mm-hmm. We can make farmers happy. We can... We have a, a, a really a strong movement, a food movement in the district where mm-hmm. people really want to eat healthy food. Yes. And, uh, and so let's support it. 
Exactly. And, and also, uh, the 5th District is a, a hub of uh, a magnet for tourism. Tell us about how tourism is such an important part of the 5th District of Virginia and how you support that. Agriculture, then we have tourism and forestry. Yes. That's at the top of the list yes. of what keeps it all going. So here's something that just came up recently, which is really important. The Trump administration and our congressmen mm-hmm. supported this mm-hmm. announced that they were going to triple the price to get into our national oh, park. Oh yes. And we have we have the Shenandoah National Park right next to many of our counties, and my county has the park as part of the county. Yes. So if you have to pay, they said, well, oh, but we have to raise prices because uh, it costs, maintenance costs mm. are high. Mm-hmm. Well, you've just raised the deficit of this country, $1.5 trillion. Perhaps instead of doing that, you might have thought, let's pay the maintenance costs for national parks. Yes. Instead of which they're saying, people are going to have to pay $70 to drive into the park. Mm. to go hiking. Mm. There are a lot of people in our district Mm -hmm. who can't afford $70 for a day at the park, and yet our national parks, by law, and just the very origins of the park, parks Mm. are for the people. Yes. Parks are for the people. This is is a symbol of what democracy means. So the idea that you can't go to the park, you can't afford to go to the park, just outrageous. Also, we have been in the northern part of the district, we have 500 families and their descendants mm-hmm. who were evicted from the park yes. in the 30s. Yes. They were evicted with the promise that the park would be open for all. Mm. It was a bitter, bitter moment. But to take away that promise, and also at the beginning of the, uh, you know, at the foundation of the Shenandoah National Park, mm-hmm. African Americans were denied entry to the park. There was, a, there was a bit of a fight over that, so mm-hmm. they agreed on segregation in the park. They could go, but facilities would be segregated. Mm. There is a lot of bitter history there. Yes. All of those people, certainly the families who were evicted, all those descendants should be able to go to that park for free. Yes. For life. Yes. And I would suggest that the African-American members of this district should also have free passes. Yes. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because they're just things we don't think about in our lives on a daily basis. We have a we have a lot of correcting to do uh, from past mistakes, and uh, I think that needs to be the mission of of every American uh, citizen alive, and all those we welcome. I I I think also since we have hit on this this injustice of uh, inequality for the races, as we have been talking about women in particular, and sexual harassment, and farmers, and coal miners. I want to throw out um, what what I call climate injustice, because we know in Virginia pipelines are being forced through, and but they generally are impact on poorer neighborhoods. Nobody builds a, 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 a polluting factory in a nice, plush neighborhood. I know, because I live in one. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that the two pipelines, um, they actually affect everybody. It's yes. all income brackets. Yes. It's everyone from uh, you know big, beautiful farms in Nelson down to a very important African-American. There's a Friedman community in Buckingham yes. where the pipeline will go right through. And people are very exercised and upset about this. Yes. The pipelines, the pipelines hit a lot of issues. The pipelines, first of all, you know, back on what we were just talking about with tourism, mm-hmm. why would you put pipelines right through Nelson County through a corridor of very successful breweries, cideries, wedding venues, winter green? Um, you're, you're actually damaging yes. a, very, a very a thriving economy right there. Yes. You're also damaging sustainable farms, uh, which offshoot businesses, you're damaging, as I, as I mentioned, African American community in Buckingham. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're in the promises of jobs. The jobs will be so few that the, you know, it's. I think Atlantic Coast Pipeline is offering 39 permanent jobs. That's 
there's one mountain lodge that would lose 40 employees mm. from this pipeline. I was with, um, the other day, two families deeply affected by the pipeline. Yes. One is Carolyn Riley, who's down at Four Corners Farm in Franklin, mm-hmm. a sustainable farm that, that outside Rocky Mount, everyone loves this farm. Mm-hmm. The pipeline is going to go through their back pasture. Mm. Then we went to visit a, a couple who are artists, and the artists teach students in the, in the beautiful artist studio right behind their old farmhouse mm-hmm. in the same area, the pipeline is going to come, the, the access road will, will come down their beautiful small driveway. Mm. They've been living in this place for 37, 38 years. Mm. will come down the driveway, and the pipeline with high-pressure frack gas will come right next to their house. They are, um, you know, beyond rage yes. because it goes to the very essence of not just property rights, but what is right? What? How is it that a private co- company can take away the rights of these people yes. who have lived on this land uh, and the husband of this couple grew up, they live right next to a mountain, and he grew up on the other side of that mountain. Wow. There are very deep roots right there. Mm-hmm. And one of the most beautiful areas of that county will be destroyed. Uh, and, and they're in great danger if, if there's an explosion or a problem with the pipeline. You know, they, 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 could, be, they could be killed. Yes. Also, uh, in terms of climate change, these two pipelines will leak enough methane to be the green gas uh, equivalent of 46 coal-fired plants. Wow. 46 coal fire plants, because methane is so much more uh, powerful than, uh, in those terms than, yes. uh, uh, than CO2. Yes. Mm. So just on climate change alone, the idea of, of going forward with these things, which and they will not, the energy, they will not keep the lights on in Virginia, that's for sure. It's yes. not going to do anything for Virginia. Mm. It's just they're just passing through, mm. disrupting and destroying lives as they go. All right, we, we're going to have to go, but let's let's um, let's go out on as much an upbeat thoughts as we can, Leslie. This has been incredible, uh, incredibly informative, and hard facts that we all need to hear and then act upon. And one of the greatest acts we can commit is voting for the right people to uh, represent us in government. Leslie, what do you want us to take from today's conversation? which is the year of 2018 is the year of change. Mm. It's the year of women. Mm. Women are really uh, storming the ramparts this yes. year. And I don't know whether you saw the cover of Time Magazine with all the women, women's faces, and it's titled The Avengers. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I think, I think change is on the way, and I think, uh, I think that will be good for the 5th District. And I think there are lots of things that can be addressed in, in Congress that people will be happy about. Excellent. Well, all you need are uh, members of Congress who actually are about the people's business, and things can certainly be addressed. We need a real change of uh, 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 employees, <laughs> those we hire to work for us in Congress by voting for them. So think wisely, everyone. Today, we have been talking to Leslie uh, Coburn, who um, is running uh, for the nomination of the 5th District Democratic nominee to uh, will be determined, by the way, by caucus and convention process. And we wish you, Leslie Coburn, all the very best in that endeavor and look forward to you representing us, the 5th District of Virginia, in the United States Congress. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. My grandfather I lost when I was 17. And, my and see, like the sea of purple, people who have been impacted by this disease but my want to continue. have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. In the fall, we were doing the walk to end Alzheimer's, um, and that was the first event where I saw um, the community really come together for this one event. And um, it was raining that day, it was cold, but um, a bunch of people, there were so many people out there because they believe that this is an issue that's worth um, their time. With the Junior Alzheimer's Association, I've been honored to plan certain things that are happening in the community and make a difference in the community at a young age 
and we also help fight the fight against Alzheimer's. My overreaching uh, goal every day is about concern and awareness, raising concern about the disease, awareness about the Alzheimer's Association. My mom's been gone 10 years now, and I'm just feeling like I want to be involved. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 1-800-272-3900. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Dreaming in the Age of Women versus Trump. Borrowing from his presidential immorality, Trump's peddling fake muck, raking over dreamers to mislabel them felons, exposes his anti-Americanism while unknowingly disclosing Liberty Island embraces hope far beyond our upper New York Bay and Jersey City shore. Dreamers are our most recent inheritors of I Have a Dream and like us, empowered by women marching in the 20s for voting rights, the 60s for employment rights, the 80s for constitutional equality, equal rights amendment ratification, and in 2018, freedom from sexual assault. So who will relieve America from the burden of marriage between self-serving good old boy politicians and Wall Street Citizens United? Women, of every color, size, shape, and persuasion. Trump's branding Democratic POV as far more concerned with illegal immigrants than they are with our great military or safety of our dangerous southern border is but derriere cover for small minds and minuscule hearts, merging forked tongue talking points with double talk fog to hide their failure to care to govern. A wave of female candidates challenging male-laden politics as usual ask, Who's against separation of church and state? What's wrong with a woman's right to choose? Where did, I don't know, go with the money raised for and disappeared by January 20, 2017 inauguration? Time's Up and Me Too Avengers seek acknowledgement of and believing all who've paid more dearly for sexual harassment than Stormy Daniels' hush money. Marching for income parity and gender equality, we knocked down walled-up machismo, insisting too-big-to-jail bankers and party-pack hacks owe the middle class budget reimbursement, including punitive charges for me-first gluttony. DACA recipients are diverse hues of America's future. They are our dreams, dreaming horizons yet imagined, unless, of course... By our example, we teach them national security and personal safety are at the expense of people we keep in their place with pale-faced determined predestination. Every four years, January 20th brings possibilities, as different as the ugly American, and ask what you can do for your country. However, when failing our privilege to vote with empathy for all, American morality is defined by Representatives Cotton, Gowdy, Jordan, and Nunes. At 242, America, after 365 days of political lessons in misogyny, groping, and money laundering, again faces choosing truths to hold dear as self-evident. 1. Resistance to white supremacists and their enablers. 2. Demonstrations for gender and racial equality. And 3. Voting to protect our electoral system from all enemies, foreign and domestic, is our patriotic service. Denying democracy's need to replenish through the evaluation of opposing points of view is as suicidal for our republic as a Trump appointee. Therefore, Limiting another's free speech, no matter how repugnant to our values, we dishonor ourselves. Whether far-left university students or hard-right Hillary haters, mob mentality is a one-way ticket to national dissolution. For anger and fear, set on automatic pilot, target with impunity our very core. Both global women's marches and D.C. March for Life are manifestations of peaceful assembly and freedom of speech. We cannot honor one if we dishonor the other. 
Women and dreamers remind us love for God and country doesn't need a wall, but rather a foundation of humane acts of kindness toward all inhabitants embellishing our home of the brave origin and heritage. Recognizing what's good for us is the common good in common ground, imbues us with untethered courage to champion humankind's well-being, including embracing those living in America's five protectorates and territories with uncommon grace. When we are better examples, freeing the lives of military and civilian women, city girls and farm boys from all degrees of sexual harassment, from rape and domestic violence to unwanted touching or verbal abuse, our children will better illustrate the truth that lights our way forward. If we are to preserve immigrants brought here as children, protect CHIP from being used as a GOP chess piece, and defend all against racial and sexual abuse, Democrats need unite, above the fray of big-win braggadocious cavemen, to reset both party and nation's table for human decency, committed to serving only malice toward none. Beyond trust but verify... Beware Republicans promising to care, because women are the dreamers writing the next chapter of The American Dream. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.